This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Still a bit quiet out there, isn't it, Claudette? It is. Yeah, still feels very much like a holiday. It is. I noticed that the Christmas music is still on the go uh, at the Avalon Mall. I took a spin down there at lunchtime, and uh, nice to see the tree. But yeah, it seems to be that relaxed feel that's around. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure, for sure. So do you keep your tree up until Christmas Day, or yes. is she gone and at, in the box? At least. And uh, this year, normally, I put it up in November, but everything was too late for me this year. So no, I need some time to just... I haven't really just sat down with my tree, you know. (laughs) I understand. Right? And I need that time because, um, you know, we used to make, not make fun. No, that's a wrong word. I hate it when I say wrong words, especially when we're live. But, um, you know, when when you hear politicians making decisions and saying the glow of the Christmas lights made me make this decision Mm -hmm. or, or something like that. I kind of understand a little bit better because when you're alone with the tree and your thoughts, I mean, it does bring things into perspective. It it is. And Christmas, of course, is a very nostalgic time. You think about uh, traditions and people you knew and the way you grew up and all of those things, you know. And, um, um, you know, there's some people who have really fancy trees that are kind of perfect yeah (laughs) you know what I mean and then there's others like mine which is just a mishmash of stuff that I've accumulated over the years usually stuff that's given to me always goes on the tree right and uh, so I spend a lot of time looking at things and looking at the ornaments going oh my now mom gave me that one or my sister gave me that one or my friend gave me that one oh my gosh I remember that you know those kinds of things I'm gonna put you on spot is there an ornament that maybe a friend gave you but you're unsure which friend like I've had a couple of friend ornaments and I'm Sure, which friend? I have to be honest. (laughs) I'm pretty good with that stuff. You are. I wish I was. Because I love my friends. Now, <laughs> sometimes I, I don't do know have which a one magnet. Okay. Oh, you have a friendship magnet, and you don't know which friend gave it to and you. And every time I see that friendship yeah. magnet on the on the okay. fridge, I think, who's that? Oh. This one, or was it that one? Oh. Now that's bad. Yeah. Oh, I'm, no, you know what? That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad I made your day. You're not going to make my day, <laughs> Through though, my with the weather. <laughs> absent-minded, no. That's right. Uh, so yesterday, as you as you recall, we were talking to uh, Environment Canada, mm-hmm. and um, they were indicating that, yeah, keep your eyes open. There's going to be a storm Thursday into Friday. Well, that's changed now. It's going to be Friday into Saturday, into the weekend. And it's going to be a bit more intense than the early um, predictions were Mm -hmm. saying. So um, we're starting to get a much better picture now of this weather system expected to affect the eastern portion of the island on Friday. Uh, Winter storm watch is now in effect for the Buren, Bonavista, and Avalon peninsulas for Friday into Saturday. Environment Canada meteorologist Ian Hubbard joins me now. Well, hello, Ian. Good afternoon. A bit of a, a mild day today here in the metro region, but uh, that weather is still coming, and I'm I'm sure that Environment Canada now has a little bit of a better handle on what we can expect. What what can we expect coming into tomorrow and Friday? 
Yeah, we do have a low pressure system that's going to be pushing up and, and bring some snow to uh, the area. Uh, beginning Friday morning, uh, a little bit further south and probably reach uh, the city around noon. And it's going to continue through the day before it, uh, the heaviest stuff ends probably after night and during those overnight hours. So we are expecting to see a bit of snow accumulate from that uh, during the day Friday and Friday evening. Any idea on uh, accumulation so far? Uh, right now, we've still got a little bit of a range there we're seeing, but uh, right now it looks like anywhere between 20 and possibly 30 centimeters of snow uh, during that time frame. Uh, we'll certainly uh, narrow that down as, as we approach Friday and uh, start to get a better handle on exactly where we might need some more warnings uh, uh, added on to the winter storm watches that we currently have in effect. So that's fairly significant, and this is ahead of another system, I understand, that's coming in and affecting a larger portion of the island for Saturday? Uh, well, this is still the same system. Uh, as it moves off Friday, uh, those winds are going to stay from the northwest. We're still going to see some flurries uh, throughout the day on Saturday and into Saturday night. So still going to see some blustery conditions out there for the first half of the weekend anyway. And then we'll uh, have a little bit of a break and uh, we're going to pay attention to another system that may or may not reach the island uh, the start of next week, Monday or so. So uh, if you have any um, um, activity to take part in, uh, uh, I guess the best day would be Sunday. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, certainly uh, Saturday we'll see improving conditions. So uh, maybe later in the day, depending on exactly where you are, but do expect to see some flurries on and off throughout the day with some some stronger winds there as well, blowing things around, and then improving quite a bit uh, for Sunday as the winds will die down and not expect to see that same kind of flurry activity then. What areas will see the greatest impacts? Right now it looks like uh, the heaviest snow is going to be uh, over the Avalon, Buren, Bonavista Peninsulas, and around the Clarenville area. Uh, so not only are we talking about significant snowfall amounts, but with the stronger winds we're expecting, we could see some really poor visibilities for, for a period there in the uh, Friday evening and overnight period. So quite stormy by the sounds of it. Yeah, even though it's going to be kind of a short-lived, fast-moving, it's going to have a, quite a little punch there for the, the later half of the day Friday before it starts to improve overnight. And you say you're looking ahead now to uh, the possibility of another system moving in Monday. What What is that shaping up like? Yeah, still a little ways away, but uh, it will be following this first one. And uh, just a matter of how close it's going to uh, uh, get to the island, whether or not that snow reaches it or not. So we'll be paying attention to that uh, later this weekend, over the weekend for sure. Ian Hubbard, we'll be uh, no doubt talking to you much more before that. Uh, thanks so much for the update. You're welcome. So, uh, possible 20 to 30 centimeters now expected for Bonavista, Buren, uh, Clarenville, and Avalon Peninsula's areas um, from Friday into Saturday morning. And I'm glad we are bringing this to where you are bringing this to people's attention because now it's like okay do I have a snow blower that's working are my shovels near where they should be it's all these things that we got to keep in mind exactly now. exactly what well, 
tends to happen in our household, I'm not sure about you, but we'll have the shovels on the ready, put yeah. them out on the deck, and then they'll like, blow over and yes. fall down and, and get covered over in snow, it. and then you're <laughs> digging around with your foot or your arms or whatever, you're trying to find the shovel, and then you can't get it out. And, and salt, too. Salt, I, I found myself using salt recently, and... Uh, Here's a hack, a winter hack. Oh, here we go. Uh, I don't know if you use um, the Epsom salts that are in these big, gigantic jugs, but when you're finished with those, you just put the salt in that. And, and then you, you go... Ch- and you just go like that. Brilliant. Yeah. So these are in a big box store if you get the big, gigantic Epsom salts for your bath for relaxation, whole other show. Uh, but... <laughs> So, yeah, you just, my husband noticed, he said, this would be fantastic for salt. And so we started putting our salt in it so much easier than a big salt beef bucket or something bigger than a salt beef bucket. It's too heavy. Well, years ago, we used to buy a kitty litter that came in a similar kind of, you know, juggy type of thing with a big top. And we used to use that for salt. Because cat litter would be perfect, too. But... I don't know. I, we don't buy that anymore. I'm not sure it exists. But uh, now we've got the old bag that's been sort of like ripped open with car that's keys. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. I, I, that plastic, I can picture you doing that now with your keys. <laughs> right. You rip it open with the car just, keys and it's all kind of uneven and you're ripping yeah, apart with your... It's not fun. And then, then you forget to get a little... <laughs> thing to spread it out with so you're going in with your hands and you're ruining your gloves and you know prepared for winter we live in canada we've never done this before <laughs> right <laughs> don't use your car keys to open up a bag of salt that's your lesson for today <laughs> anyway makes me sound like i'm a complete you know but I relate. We've all done it. <laughs> we Come have. on. We've we all have. done it. But that's a great idea, you know, finding something to spread it like that. Yeah. Because, yeah. Something that's easy, portable, with a handle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can put it in a neat place and it doesn't yes, get in the way. Step and, two. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that too. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Claudette. So we'll keep you up to date on all of that. You needn't worry. Our uh, VOCM Morning Show will have more information on this uh, coming storm for the eastern portion of the island. And uh, and no doubt uh, we're going to have all the latest on possible, and I'm not saying it's happening yet, kitties, but any possible school closures and the like for a Friday morning. Oh, yeah. People are going to be listening just with beta, waiting with beta breath. Well, that's for what sure. we do here, and that's yeah. what we do well. So, uh, uh, yeah, stay tuned is all I can say. I'm not telling you that school's going to be closed on Friday. Don't go there yet. But uh, those are decisions made by people smarter than me. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll uh, let you know if there are any school closures as a result of this uh, coming storm system. And we'll keep you up to date on whatever's coming for Monday as well. Well, come Coming up, an update from the FFAW on ongoing efforts to have EI qualifying criteria change. This is News Talk on VOCM. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. Well, as you know, uh, changes to EI qualifying criteria in 2023 are expected to have a significant impact on seasonal workers, and the FFAW isn't getting any satisfaction from federal government officials in having their concerns heard. Well, here's my conversation with FFAW President Greg Pretty. 
Is there a role the provincial government can be playing here in advocating on behalf of uh, harvesters and, and processors, uh, or, or sorry, uh, plant workers in this province, uh, to make those needed changes to EI? The uh, Minister of Labour, the Premier, and the Minister of Fisheries are all on board. No question about it. They've been, they've been assisting. We've been talking to them, and they've made they've supported us in our quest. But you know, to this point, it's uh, it's falling on uh, on deaf ears. Uh, but you know, we look forward to continued support from the province. The province did a very very good thing uh, when they got involved in this in this uh, in the crab dispute. They I mean they they brought the parties to the table just like I asked, and ultimately we got a deal, and it was with the help of the province on that. So they they really did their uh, job on that. Uh, they also um, ordered that uh, review, and that's significant and very important going f- uh, going forward. The elements of that uh, uh, review are critical to the future of of the crab fishery in this province, and for justice and equity in uh, and shared risk, as as you as you've heard me talk about before. Moving forward, the biggest crab fishery on the planet, and you know I said before, I'll say it again. There's, there has to be a better way to do business to make sure that the people, the stakeholders in this industry are treated fairly and justly. And it's not happening up to now. I want to get to the cod stocks and the cod fishery in a moment, but you mentioned, uh, you know, um, uh, please falling on deaf ears. This is the second year of the closure of the mackerel fishery, something that the FFAW has been crying foul over for some time. Uh, where are we with that? Great one. Good one. Well, here's where we are. Um, the, uh, the former minister, Joyce Murray, uh, we've had several meetings, we had several meetings with her on that issue, and uh, she cho- chose to ignore uh, the information that we put to DFO on while we consider the, the abundance of mackerel in, in, in this province. That fell on deaf ears. So did the cod. So, so did a, a number of other things that were that were on our shopping list. Um, the new minister is uh, La Bouclier, um, Diana. And she's from uh, Quebec. She's from the Gas Peninsula. Well, I've met her a couple of times. She's well versed in the fishery. It's uh, she's well versed on seals. She's well versed on mackerel. She's as you can as you can see already. She's well versed on on. Uh, on ground fish, and she has a very solid working knowledge of at Gulf redfish. So these are things that are on our agenda, and we're looking forward to meeting her in Newfoundland in the new year to get mackerel back on the table, but to get those other species like reds uh, on the table too. Shrimp fishery is not very healthy in this province, so we're looking to transition from from shrimp uh, to to redfish uh, with a smaller, uh, more concentrated effort on shrimp. And we'll see what happens as as we move forward. But uh, all I can tell you is that uh, up to now, uh, dealing with the new minister has been uh, a very enlightening uh, experience. And uh, there are results coming out of our meetings. Can a change at the helm really make that much of a difference, do you find? Well, of course. Of course, yes. I mean, she's uh, she's it. Uh, she's number one. They re- she's in the wheelhouse, and uh, 
She can, uh, well, she's probably one, and I've heard this said many times over the years, the fisheries minister is probably one of the most powerful ministers inside that cabinet uh, with, the, with, their, uh, with their control uh, and uh, licenses on quotas. And uh, so it's it's extremely uh, powerful position. And when you're talking um, uh, issues like seals, it's extremely important that people understand seals to start with. Uh, I was in her office uh, a month or so ago, and I was delighted to see uh, seals uh, represented in her uh, office. And um, that's something we haven't seen very often. But any, anybody who has a working knowledge uh, of this fishery, it's extremely important uh, in, in advancing the issues uh, of our harvesters. No question about it. So we saw some changes to the way in which uh, DFO uh, compiles and uh, considers data when it comes to uh, the cod stocks. Uh, that uh, left uh, some people feeling much more optimistic, and yet uh, 3PS in particular continues to be well into the critical zone. Where do you see cod fisheries in the year ahead? Well, first of all, on, on 3, 3PS, yes, you're, you're quite right. There's, a, there's, a, it's, a, it's in pretty rough shape. Um, there's signs lacking there. Uh, we're hopeful that we can have a, a fishery to, to monitor uh, what goes on there in the next year, year or two. I think we'll be, we have some uh, working groups established, and they're doing very well. The DFO, they work very well, and uh, so we're looking forward to some good results there for the long haul. The uh, three. The 3J3KL COD announcement, which you've heard, was the most significant uh, uh, news on COD since the moratorium. It was incredible news. Um, they've they've taken that out of the uh, critical zone, uh, which means, looking in too much detail, there is a distinct possibility that we'll have a a sizable uh, increase to that quota, and that of course will benefit our members in processing, harvesting, and the province in general. This is incredibly good news. Uh, places like who haven't had cod in a long time are uh, struck with an abundance. Uh, it's good that DFO science and our own science department at the FFAW uh, recognize that and are moving forward. So really good news, and I'm anxious. The quotas will be determined in March in the March DFO meeting. But I'm anxious to talk to, looking forward to talking to the new minister in January and as we move forward with uh, with exciting new news in COD. Uh, but what does that mean then for um, harvesters in 3PS? Uh, obviously, they uh, will still continue to, to struggle. That's correct. Yeah, no question about that. The Gulf COD is, is still closed. And that will remain closed. But uh, as I said, in 3PS, the working groups will continue, and we'll see if we can find uh, some solutions to to ensure that that's not closed on a permanent uh, or a semi-permanent basis, that there's some fishing activity. So it's a tough one, no question about that. Seals affect both of those stocks, by the way, in, in the Gulf and in 3PS. And, uh, you know, this minister just might have some... Uh, some issues, some ideas on seals too. So we're looking forward to that meeting with, with her. 
And that is FFAW President uh, Greg Pretty in conversation with me just uh, before Christmas. And we had a a lengthy conversation, as you can appreciate. So we'll hear more from him uh, in the coming days uh, further to issues regarding the fishery. But uh, um, he can't say for certain, but he is hopeful there will be a sizable increase in cod quotas uh, when they are announced in March. So uh, the potential for some very good news there in the Newfoundland fishery, uh, historic really, uh, when you consider that the cod moratorium occurred more than uh, 30 years ago. So uh, just um, uh, extraordinary that, uh, you know, just a little change in the way that uh, uh, these numbers are calculated can uh, make such a significant uh, change and re- better reflect, uh, according to the FFAW and harvesters, better reflect what uh, harvesters and others who are out on the water have been noticing in the last, uh, well, decade or more, this abundance of codfish in uh, certain areas. So uh, could we see uh, a, a sizable resumption? in the commercial cod fishery in Newfoundland and Labrador in 2024. That remains to be seen, but a lot of people keeping their fingers crossed. Well, when we come back after the news break with Sarah Strickland, we'll get an update on the provincial government's budget planning right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we're back on uh, VOCM News Talk. And is Sarah still there? Hey. Hey. So I just happened to notice this, Sarah. And I know that, uh, you know, this is something that you um, have been in conversation about in the past. (laughs) The Toronto Blue Jays general manager, Ross Atkins, disappointed that superstar Shohei Otani signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers instead of Toronto. What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm disappointed, too, because we had so much hope there for that, like, one day that he was going to sign to Toronto. Do you remember the plane that was apparently had Otani on it and was coming to Toronto? I was sold then. I think I was at the Christmas party, and we started high-fiving Brian Callahan and Noah Shepard and I. We were all like, he's coming, and then our hopes were just crushed later that evening. Yeah, disappointing for sure. But uh, what do you think about, um, you know, some of the people who are, could be re-signed? I know um, Noah sent me a note over Christmas saying, uh, Kiermaier's re-signed, Linda. He's one of my favorites. I, I like that one. I do not like Isaiah Connor falefa coming to the Blue Jays. I think that's who they're going to have replace Whit Merrifield, and I really like Whit Merrifield. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Matt Chapman yet, though. He hasn't signed anywhere interesting isn't it who knows and i just have a thing with the dodgers like they have a great team but i don't agree with how they're spending their money because otani's only going to get two million dollars a season once that contract ends 10 years down the road then he gets that big contract so oh, yeah it, it almost seems like it's cheating in a way but uh you know I'd be happy if I was a Dodgers fan, but I don't agree with that. So do you think Chapman will stick around? or I don't know, especially with Connor Falefa coming in. Mm, he could be either the Merrifield replacement or he could slide over into third base because he has experience at third and he won a gold glove at third in 2020. So that could be the replacement. 
but who knows? They said they might sign one or two more players, but that's it. Uh, Not much out there, though, left on the market. The big fish are kind of gone. Interesting indeed. Uh, Sarah, thank you. Anytime. Um, Well, uh, back to uh, provincial matters. Budget planning is well underway as the province prepares to bring down its 2024 budget in the next couple of months. Finance Minister Siobhan Cody joins me now. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm looking forward to a good 2024. Hard to believe we're already in 2024. Absolutely. So, um, of course, the big news coming up now in 2024 will be the budget. And I know that, uh, you know, all this work gets done ahead of time. So what are we looking at? Well, 2023 has been a you know a good year economically for the province. A lot of people have had challenges uh, because of the cost of living, but Newfoundland and Labrador, the government has been able to assist people with over $500 million in cost of living uh, reductions and supports over the last year. So I think overall for Newfoundland and Labrador, our inflation rate is coming down. We're actually below where Canada is. Canada is at 3.1% inflationary rate. Newfoundland and Labrador is down by to about 2.4%. So what what it's showing me and what it's saying to the people of the province is that, you know, our economy is stable and growing. Uh, We've managed to get inflation under control. Because of that, we've also been able to support the people of the province uh, with cost of living measures. So I think overall, even though people have, you know, found it tough this last year, overall we've, we've done well. Um, you know, despite some of the headwinds that we felt uh, that are happening around the world. For 2024, we know that interest rates are up. I did meet with the governor of the Bank of Canada last week. He is anticipating that inflation rate in the inflation rate will continue to come down. Um, but he's, he's basically said to us as finance ministers across the country that rates will probably stay higher in early 2024, but eventually will come down as the inflation rate comes down. But as I just said, um, you know, inflationary pressures in Newfoundland and Labrador are down to about 2.4%, Canada at 3.1%. You know, the goal here is to get it to about 2%. So Newfoundland and Labrador is doing quite well in that regard. So hopefully by, you know, I'm, I'm expecting by mid, maybe even a little third quarter uh, of next year, we'll start to see interest rates ease, and that'll be good for all of us. Um, economically next year, you know, we, we're still doing some of that analysis, but uh, hopefully it'll be a strong year again. We're seeing our employment in the province uh, really, really doing well, uh, even back, you know, higher than pre-pandemic uh, levels. So that that's positive. Our unemployment rates, uh, you know, is uh, lowered uh, substantively. As a matter of fact, at one point this year, it was the lowest since rec- since we started recording uh, the unemployment rate. Um, you know, our our uh, food services and, and sales are up. Retail sales are up. You know, home sales are still strong, you know, still fairly strong, Um, you know, a little bit less than last year, but uh, still fairly strong. Um, So, you know, overall, I think we're doing relatively well. We just need to keep helping the people of the province with the cost of living measures. How uh, have interest rates affect the cost of borrowing? Well, certainly our cost of borrowing within within the province is rising. 
Um, you know, we're continuing to put to, to borrow as a province of Newfoundland and Labrador, both for we have a slight deficit this year, but we're also making investments in infrastructure. So our borrowing is uh, is is still up uh, this year, and that means that we're you know we're borrowing at a higher interest rate. Interest rates are are not as high as they could you know they have been in the past. So we're we're still we're still seeing some moderate interest rates, but they've risen so so very quickly. And that is impacting our cost of borrowing, of course, and that's why we're being very measured. But as you know, over the last number of years, we've put a big focus and a big emphasis on making sure that we uh, that we're you know getting our goal. You know, our goal is to have the province's uh, financial situation uh, stabilized, and we've been able to do that over the last number of years, bringing down our deficit, um, you know, spending within our means while still making those big investments, as I talked about in the cost in the cost of living. Uh, we're really focused on, you know, treasury management, and we've gone out and, and increased our borrowing program in Europe so that we can get better rates. Um, and we've been fortunate enough because of those efforts and because of the money that we're, we're also we developed, as you know, a future fund where we're putting a portion of non, you know, non-renewable revenues, um, non-renewable resource revenues into a special fund that will help pay down debt and, and, and help us into the future. So all those are helping to stabilize the province's uh, financial situation, and that's why DBRS Morningstar, you know, a, a bond rating agency, has increased our um, our long-term debt from A uh, to A from A low. So that's a, that's a positive. Our, our you know our, our bond rating agencies have given us an increase. So that's a that's a positive thing. So you know, really overall, we've got a stable fiscal and economic outlook for Newfoundland. Land and Labrador. So you mentioned that European uh, borrowing program. How how is that working? Well, certainly we we spent the last six or seven months going into Europe and and you know telling the people telling investors in throughout Europe that Newfoundland and Labrador is a good place to, you know to invest to put your money in, and we've set up a borrowing program now through the London Stock Exchange. You may you may have seen this year myself and the Premier were over and rang the bell on the London Stock Exchange. So now we're listed on the London Stock Exchange. We haven't done a, a, a borrowing program into Europe, but we're about to do so. And uh, that, you know, it opens up our borrowing to, uh, you know, to, to global markets and European markets. They, they would be familiar with Newfoundland and Labrador. It gives, you know, Canadian investors, it, it kind of uh, sharpens their pencils as well and, and helps to uh, to stabilize and, and hopefully lower our cost of borrowing by opening up to more investors, of course. And so um, that's positive. Other other jurisdictions all across the country do this, and Newfoundland and Labrador is now uh, and now being now able to to offer uh, their bonds on the European markets, and I think that's a very positive thing is to continue to address the cost of borrowing. The hope, as you know, is that um, the cost of um, uh, increased interest rates uh, will start to come down a little bit now in sometime in the new year. But uh, there are also um, continued fears that it, it's going to slow the economy and that we might start sliding into recession. Is the province prepared in, in case of that eventuality? Well, as I said, I did meet with the governor of the Bank of Canada in recent days, 
and uh, we did express the concern of slowing down the economy too much uh, with these high interest rates. And as you know, the Premier has written to the Governor of the Bank of Canada on a couple of occasions, you know, to to express the concerns of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians about these rising uh, the rising cost of interest. So, uh, we you know we've been addressing this with the Governor of the Bank of Canada, completely independent uh, organization. They make their own they make their own decisions around interest rates, but we wanted to voice the concerns of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians on the high cost of uh, borrowing. Um, we're, he has indicated to finance ministers across the country that, you know, with inflation, uh, the, the the Canadian inflation rate now down at 3.1, here in Newfoundland and Labrador is at 2.4%. You know, you're starting to see the inflationary pressures come down, and that was why we had the increase in the cost of borrowing, of course. So I would say, you know, towards mid to third quarter of next year, we're going to see uh, we're going to see some hopeful lowering of those interest rates but you know have to be very mindful of the uh, of the impact of uh, you know on Canadians and Newfoundlanders and Labradorians of course and having to make sure that we don't slow the economy um, we're right now if you looked at the fall economic statement that uh, I did in in the, at the end of October right now we're seeing you know fairly uh, stable economic outlook for next year uh, you know positive we're seeing some good signs in our economy and I'll, you know everything from um, oil and gas and uh, mining and, of course, the new hydrogen developments are all positive things for, for our economy. And, of course, even, our, even you know, we're looking forward to a good year in the fishery. We're looking forward to some, strength in, uh, some strengthened uh, economic, uh, economic indicators. Well, we only hope that interest rates will start to drop, of course, in the coming months because uh, that is putting a significant strain on a lot of people, especially those as they start approaching renewal time. Um, just, uh, you know, I don't mean to <laughs> instill panic, but it's, uh, you know, it's a scenario I think that a lot of uh, homeowners or mortgage holders are, are you know, yeah, dreading it is a tough time and is there even any such thing as disposable income anymore you know everybody has to worry about the taxes and everything that's coming in it's just yeah i'd like to think of it more positive terms but it's kind of hard when you hear things like that indeed and of course we've seen uh, inflation just go through the roof which is why infl- and you know interest rates have mm-hmm. to be um, mitigated increase to try and uh, uh, balance that out a bit and and bring down inflation somewhat but um, starting to notice now I don't know about you but over the holidays I noticed a few times when I had to dart out and get some groceries a couple of deals on the go yeah I, I not noticed, a lot uh, but there were some deals yeah I noticed though that it it really bothered me that I feel that certain staples should all be reduced. You know, for instance, eggs. I went to a place, my mom asked me to pick her up a dozen eggs. It was $6 a dozen at a place that you think that would have the buying power to reduce that, right? Mm-hmm. So little things like that. I, I, I mean, I'm happy, like you said, certain things were like, oh, yeah, that's that's not too bad now. Uh, but then there are the other things like eggs, for instance, or milk that... Uh, could do eggs milk bread yeah the staples Uh, like you say the staples yeah 
Um, and of course, a lot of them are regulated, uh, like um, right. milk and eggs mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, well, we'll see where that all that goes now in the coming year. But uh, goodness gracious, 2023 was a tough, tough year to, to try and get by. I can guarantee it. Um, when we come back, uh, we'll uh, check in with the town of Grand Falls, Windsor. VOCM's Brian Medore had a little chat with uh, Mayor Barry Manuel. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we are back. Well, we're going to check in with the town of Grand Falls, Windsor. VOCM's Brian Medore chatted with Mayor Barry Manuel just before Christmas about plans and issues in the town in 2024. Here's part of that conversation. Housing is becoming a critical area in a lot of the urban areas around the province, well, in the country, really, but you know, certainly in Newfoundland and Labrador. Where do you guys stand in terms of housing land development as we head into 2024? Well, not unlike everybody else, we are feeling a housing crunch here in Grand Falls, Windsor. There's a lack of apartment space and a lack of uh, new housing, uh, quite frankly. And you know, from Council's point of view, we've been looking towards this now for uh, for years, uh, expecting that this may be the case. So, you know, we looked at the town, the different land that is available, whether it's infilling or expansions to the existing town. We've made uh, several zoning changes that would allow uh, particularly multi-unit development, which seems to be uh, something that there's a big need for, you know, uh, duplexes and um, uh, bigger complexes, really. So the zoning changes had to be made. And as far as commercial land and that goes, we've uh, got a new commercial land sale policy. So there's a 40% reduction is what it amounts to for businesses to uh, have commercial property uh, purchased here in town. And, you know, we're hoping that the developers start uh, kicking in gear because really uh, council can only do so much and make the land available and, uh, you know, allow the zoning to uh, have the uh, housing take place. Uh, but there are federal programs, provincial programs, things that developers can take advantage of now uh, that I think will spark further development. And obviously the need is there. So we look forward to some construction uh, in 2024 when it comes to particularly the multi-unit duplex style housing that a lot of people are looking for, particularly seniors. And you can't talk about housing without talking about infrastructure. Most municipalities now, uh, the infrastructure is aging. Uh, what's the status in Grand Falls, Windsor? I know you have uh, uh, thoughts about the downtown water sewer, storm sewer uh, program and the infrastructure. Where do you guys stand? Well, you know, I think all municipalities are, are always struggling when it comes to infrastructure and keeping up. You know, we've got a water treatment facility that's second to none. We've got a wastewater treatment facility that was uh, implemented uh, decades ago, and we had big upgrades in the last few years as well to make sure the effluent that's going into the Exploits River is uh, is safe and, and as uh, environmentally friendly as possible. And when it comes to infrastructure, the costs are just so high, you know, for municipalities to carry out uh, things like water and sewer and paving projects, you're talking millions and millions of dollars. We rely, uh, like a lot of communities, on the provincial government through the Capital Works Program to get multi-year capital funds to uh, subsidize, I guess, our capital costs. 
And the money that we get, really, it's difficult to stretch as far as we would like it to. You know, when you look at Grand Falls, Windsor, and the fact that some of the community or some of the neighborhoods here are 100 years old and many others uh, haven't seen improvements for decades, uh, really, there's a long list of capital needs in town, and it's important that we prioritize. We do have an asset management plan that we've been uh, putting in place so that the decisions can be uh, you know, more reasonable, and I guess based on the data that's available to us, so that's helpful. Uh, but you know, we'd like to see more money available from the provincial government uh, through the Capital Works Program uh, for municipalities all across the province, really, to make sure that we can keep up with the infrastructure needs because it's a, it's a big issue and uh, some people kind of think you know you just focus on housing and infrastructure but really these days and we see it in st john's all the time you do have to spend money on recreation walking trails uh cycling trails things like that uh, recreational infrastructure uh where do you stand there i know gorge park is in for i think some progression uh come 2024 yeah, we've got plans for an expansion to Gorge Park on the riverfront, and that's a very popular park in town, and it includes walking trails and obviously a boat launch and a great view of the river. Uh, so we look forward to expanding that. You know, we do have engineering plans done for a suspension bridge that would cross the Exploits River for pedestrians. We do have a cantilever lookout plan, uh, you know, and plans to expand the trail development in that area as well. One thing about recreation in Grand Falls, Windsor, we do uh, spend, I believe, more on parks and uh, green spaces than a lot of the other comparable communities in the province. And you see the evidence of that through Church Road Park and Gorge Park and uh, all these beautiful landscaped areas around our community, which I think people definitely uh, appreciate. And from a recreation standpoint, we've got beautiful walking trails. We've got a, a ski trail that can also be used as a walking trail. Also snowshoes if the uh, if the snow cooperates, a sliding hill that we put in place now in the past few years. And obviously, you know, with ball fields and soccer fields and all the uh, the typical things. However, our bigger infrastructure, our swimming pool, our arenas, uh, those sorts of things are aging. And uh, council have been talking seriously about the future of recreation and the need for a recreational complex here in Grand Falls, Windsor. And, you know, we would be looking at that from a regional perspective and something obviously that would be a, a costly venture. But uh, in the long term, I believe we need to start looking that way as opposed to continuing to improve our, our aging infrastructure. In some cases where really it, it doesn't make sense to do so. So that's VOCM's Brian Medore in conversation with uh, Grand Falls Windsor Mayor Barry Manuel just before Christmas. We have a traffic advisory to tell you about. There's been an accident on Water Street West in St. John's in the area of Job Street. Uh, car and a tractor trailer involved. Uh, traffic is slow moving in the area, so please use caution if approaching that area. It can get a little bit busy and some tricky intersections there. Yeah, especially westbound the caller said that it's uh, pretty slow so they, he felt compelled enough to let everyone know and call the program. Well, we really appreciate that so uh, please be careful out there folks. Uh, that's it for us for today, but I will leave you with this one little thought. Uh, we hear about censuses taking place all the time. Well, did you know that the London Zoo has begun its annual animal census? Um, apparently um, obedient penguins lined up to be counted on <laughs> 
Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know how you can train a Anyway, uh, that's food. <laughs> beyond me. Uh, while an endangered Sumatran tiger cub p- playfully gnawed at a chalkboard with its name on it, the zoo will tally 14,000 animals over two days as a requirement for its license. And, of course, zoos play a very important role now in um, sort of as DNA banks, if you will, and uh, ensuring that um, there are um, adequate breeding programs for endangered species in particular. So uh, zoos have changed their focus in recent years. So, um, yeah, 14,000 animals over the next little while. Imagine now counting all those penguins and, oops, did I already count you? They all look the same. They all look exactly alike with their little suits on. They're so cute. Anyway, uh, there you have it. A little thought for you to end your day today. Be careful if you're down in the Water Street West area uh, near Job Street, an accident in that area involving a tractor trailer and a car. Slow going. Uh, No word on injuries just yet, but we'll have details for you you on that in the uh, next little while. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye for now.